Aloha, everyone, and welcome to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. This is my office. The Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 105, Something Inhuman This Way Comes, is brought to you by the Hawaii Board of Tourism. Hang loose, bruh. Is that a board you can surf, Pete? Before we dive on into tonight's episode, just want to note a couple of things. First is, Pete, we have a little prize to give away later on in the episode. Can't wait to dig into that based on uh, based on some iTunes reviews. Also, we finally have a date for uh, Punisher, which is... Yes. Uh, which is in November, Pete. Is it November 17th? There's so many Friday, dates. Friday, November 17th. And props to Matt. He was a week off. Um, I was really kind of hoping for the, uh, the, the symbolism of the date of uh, November 10th. But we're going to get it one week later on the 17th. I dare say... Given what's gone on in the last month, maybe dropping it on Veterans Day might seem a little too cloying, too inappropriate, yeah. particularly as the whole real-world gun debate continues to to evolve. But Pete, let's let's dial it back from slightly less weighty things. You know, Punisher in the future, Runaways in the future, Shield in the future. We have this episode today. It's time for the Royal Digest. To the island of Oahu we go, Matt, Karnak, and Jen, uh, in post-coital bliss. Indeed they are, Pete. Now you might say, where does this line up exactly to the last episode? Luckily, Karnak first tells us we had intercourse five hours ago, and then magically transforms into the, the, the blushing newbie saying, I want to be around you all day. It is riveting stuff, and outside the bungalow, they're in a tent, but come on here. Um, that's where Reno is loading his gun. Not a metaphor, Pete, and he is very, very angry. Take us back to the tent, though, Pete, as Jen gets dressed. Yeah, um, with Reno sitting outside, uh, we have the couple getting ready. And uh, Karnak is hungry here. You know, those post-coital endorphins cranking up. And as he comes out, the gun is fired, which Karnak, despite having his uh, problems with his computer or whatever it is. It happens to everybody sometimes. It's okay. (laughs) Especially, you know, Karnak is... Probably, you know, late forties, early fifties. It's it's okay, Pete. He shouldn't feel like he's less of an inhuman because of it. I just want to get that out there right now. Well, rather than shoot bullets, Matt, he's able to block them. Uh yes, which is totally awesome. Nice job. Except he just karate chopped the bullet, perhaps metaphorically, into her into her midsection, Pete. So not so much a nice job there. They run and Pete, just like a, a pair, a couple of goofuses. They run straight into the grave of Ted uh, to this point that Reno monologues, not able to see them, uh, although it does kind of appear that Karnak is on point 
with his powers and whatnot. He does the old throwsy the Roxy trick. Reno goes after the rock. Pete, our teaser act in this in this inter not like an interstellar, but in this show involving two spheres going around the sun, interplanetary of a sort travel. Our teaser act here is about one inhuman and two pot farmers. Yes, we get a call on Reno's phone from somebody else. Uh, hey, you're on your way. Oh, you're early. And with that, we slingshot to the red convertible with uh, driven by Louise with Medusa and Black Bolt in it. Um, he is communicating with her as much as he does. She explains that uh, losing her hair hurt, but they have to focus on finding their family. Uh, though she didn't want to talk about it, she winds up talking about it and uh, explains that Pulsus shocked her before the guards held her down and he, and she trails off there. But uh, she's confident it will be all right because she's the one who can talk. And uh, Louise needs to let the woman, Locus, out of the trunk. Uh, indeed. And uh, Locus knows the Karnak is this way. You know, we really get some great Locust stuff where she's kind of like all, you know, like late teens, early 20s. You guys are such squares. Uh, how, how, how does she know Locust is that way? Well, she demonstrates her echolocation to echolocate him. It's what she does. I will say, Pete, for all her kind of haughty, whatever old people make me do stuff, um, it, it is laying some story track for later. Uh, I, I don't know mm -hmm. that we we end this episode kind of deeply invested in Locust, but we know more about her as the episode unfolds. Uh, Black Bolt and uh, Locust go off. Louise is skeptical of how Medusa is treating one of these people. You know, there's kind of we're, we're bringing up this push against the current class system. I just want to point out that that means that Louise is skeptical skeptical of how medusa is treating one of the people that tried to kill medusa i think generally speaking if people come to to take you into prison or or take away your powers or blow you up in a, by a giant gas container you can be a little mean to them at least in the mcu right amidst all this uh louise explains that nobody knows that her company is planning a manned mission to the moon uh, but there's a chime on Lucas's comlink. Uh, it's Maximus wants to know where Aran is. And Medusa explains here that uh, Black Bolt is uh, looking forward to reuniting with his brother, wants to have a few words with him. And Maximus wants Tybor brought to him now as we head to the title card. Pete, are you ready for some good news? Always. Good news, Pete. Lockjaw is A-OK. -okay. His swelling <laughs> is going down. Uh, the super blonde couple of Dave and his lady future vet friend, they have done a great job. Crystal is ready to, to transport. We get some sci-fi explanation how it's folding space. Oh, Lockjaw is one of the, the, the spice navigators from Dune. Uh, or you could plug him into a spore drive on the USS Discovery and have him get in the Klingon space. He's a tardigrade. 
Pete, I hope that Punisher takes us into space somehow because between the space stuff that we are podcasting in humans the agents of shield in space 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 that we will be podcasting and then star trek discovery it's it's a lot of time spent spent in space space Um, for your face space for your face uh the veterinarian lady does not believe in any of this which i want to call just the tiniest bit of phony baloney for vet ladies and vet dudes from our world might find this hard to believe they're living in a world where you know a killer robot helped destroy a a, a city a couple of years ago where a, a giant black hole opened up over new york city or not black hole but a, a thing and space aliens came down and there's all this extraordinary stuff I, I dare say if somebody with conviction said hey i have a transporting giant impossible to be existing on this world dog you might be inclined to believe but Pete, faith is rewarded here. Dave believes. And uh, Crystal says, take us to where Black Bolt was. And all Dave has to do is touch Lockjaw's face and he gets pulled away too. Poof. Back to Dr. Declan's lab there. He is dissecting uh, Sackis is is the character who's named later, the one who seems to have uh, spit the venom at some of the soldiers of fortune. Uh, Aaron is there as well, horribly burned, uh, but we've seen her revive before. So of course we don't buy it. Um, and, uh, Gorgon, uh, we catch up with, uh, is looking for Karnak and flashes back to a time when he took the American flag from a lunar landing site. Gorgon in this flashback is portrayed uh, rather like a teenager. You know, look what I did. Look what I did. No, you can't have it. Uh, and, and I mean, I just have to imagine that anyone from Adelan who is given the ability to leave the city walls or, you know, to be in a position where they might upset the apple cart in relation to humans knowing about their existence there is they're going to know that they can't, they can't, do anything that might get them caught. Um, that's This was all going through my head as I couldn't help but see that there was a bit of a blur on the screen, kind of in an artistic way, but most obscured were his, were his hooves. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see in a little bit how he now has boots, which was new to me. I might have missed something. I might have missed the all-important boot scene in a prior episode. Um, but Karnak here, the, uh, the uh, strategist, Tells him he has 22 minutes, no 21 minutes to put it back. If the humans see it's gone, they'll know. Or see his hoof prints um, as well. Uh, It was at this point during the credit sequence, Matt, that I noticed that Kevin Tancherone, uh, he, the director of this episode, director of many, many S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes, I believe he did and in humans as well, or maybe one of the defenders. Uh, uh, he did uh, one Iron Fist for sure. Okay, I can tell uh, tell you that without looking. And then uh, he he's also the brother of Agents of Shield uh, co showrunner uh, Marissa Tancherone. But um, you know when we see his name come up, uh, this is a guy who's directed feature films. They usually go to him for the action oriented ones. So I'm like, all right, we're going to get 
action in this episode. Kind of. Uh, yeah, indeed. Kevin Tantro. And uh, I mean, in addition to the Marvel stuff, he's got some arrow. He's got some midnight Texas going farther back. Pete. Uh, Did the fame remake in yes. theaters. Uh, Glee, the 3d concert movie. And I know a real favorite of yours, Pete. The Pussycat Dolls present the search for the next doll. That, Pete, can you believe it? Don't ten, tell people. Ten years ago. That's, Don't tell people. That's my favorite. Well, then I won't tell you about how in 2004 he directed the video Britney Spears Live from Miami. Uh, I'm joking aside, to have Pete, a secret favorite. Well, yeah, absolutely. But he is an awesome director, perhaps not given the normal bounty that he does on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, Pete, we're all having fun here. Uh, with that, we cut back to the the pot camp. Uh, there's a pallet of marijuana, uh, at least what I'm told is, uh, based on inference and details from the show. Uh, the buyer is there. He's ready for the package from Reno. Reno references Ted's grave, then shows Ted's grave. For that, Pete, he is unceremoniously shot. He lies in the same massive like hot tub sized grave which in my opinion is unreasonably big even if you were angrily digging a grave for three people you wouldn't dig one as wide as deep it's just massive but anyhow he fall, uh, uh, falls into it and the buyer wants to find face tats and his girlfriend and we end the act with face tats and his girlfriend slowed down because she's passed out Pete you know from blood loss act two we have Maximus with the hooded Inhumans who apparently just watch TV all day. Um, but Tybor is there, his old friend, uh, and Maximus has had enough of the My King business, or has he? Uh, certainly a curious scene, given that Tybor apparently is bidden to you know, and Maximus does this arm towards the pool, sit he down ladies in front of the giant iPad. But Pete, they talk about the nature of freedom and surprise, surprise, Maximus is not totally into the the immediate freeing of the lower caste and all that. And oh, by the way, Pete, don't you forget to keep calling him my king. Yeah, he goes back to that. He likes the way it sounds. It's a little bit better. Um, but these people, Matt, the lower caste. Oh, man. Um, the, the problem with these people is they don't understand that freedom must be earned. Which is an interesting uh, – it's an interesting notion that perhaps other stories on other shows might explore – I don't know what happens when you misuse that freedom, but that's that's not even that's not a slight or a sly slam against inhumans. Just it's an interesting tangent for another day. Back we go, though, Pete, to the island. Karnak tells Jen to stop complaining. It's what one does when you know it's only a you know a a, a bullet wound. Um, I just love these relatable characters. Uh, Karnak, uh, Karnak, at this point apparently performs chiropractic uh, so she won't feel pain for a while and uh, he decides that he's ready to dig out the bullet uh, you can see him weighing the options if he goes in through the entrance wounds that could lead to infection uh, if he opens a wound in the back to take it out that could increase the chances of infection uh, he bids her to stay still and then he takes his middle finger and pushes it into her back and out pops the bullet the way it came 
Yeah, uh, even though his his computer is broken, he's able to kind of, and and it comes up a little bit later. the The percentages are there; they're just not as certain as they used to be. But he's able to pull it out. Was the rare time the shortest distance between two points was a straight line? He's then going to sew it up. He takes a read, and uh, he's he's going to improvise. But, you know, because their tent was broken, uh, she happens to have a sewing kit <laughs> on her right there. Okay, <laughs> I guess. This whole, if she's going to have the sewing kit, why did we spend 10 seconds of him taking leaf, honing leaf, preparing leaf to be a, a you know, a temporary suture if you're not going to use it? It's like the opposite of Chekhov's gun. It's like... Don't introduce the gun if you're then going to say, I have a gun. No, no. It turns out uh, I have a trap. We can get the bear that way. Okay. Hey, you just pulled a bullet out of my gut. I have a sewing kit in my cargo pants right here. <laughs> yeah. But like... back at Dr. Declan's a DNA analysis, Matt, has revealed that the two inhumans there are similar to the silent one uh the female though has a little bit of a uh, differentiation from uh his dna and uh suddenly she moves don't worry though it's it's just a post-mortem spasm uh dr declan tells the uh nurse there except uh then her entire torso uh, comes upright, which is not a spasm. And she uses her hand uh, in some uh, nice camera work there out of uh, Mr. Tancheron, the, the circular movement, and she heals herself and then starts to choke out Henry Ian Cusick. It's a nice camera move, but I think many of you will recognize the fact that as the camera goes behind Declan that's where they're hiding a cut so you can go from much makeup version to less makeup version and then there's a another thing to obscure the camera so you get clean makeup version um which is to say I think that the construction of this seamless shot you can see the seams on the seamlessness quite easily <laughs> also just want to point out as the last of her wounds heal it's just not great CGI it's only there for a split second but I wasn't watching it on a particularly large TV, and it, and it caught my eye. But, Pete, let's keep things positive here. Let's keep the island spirit going. Oron chokes out Declan while the other doctor sneaks up. Doctor 2 is able to, to sneak a scalpel off the floor, goes to stab her, but she turns it around, and he ends up with a scalpel in the eye to end the act. Act 3 begins, Matt, with uh, Jen and Karnak going back to the camp. Uh, he can't quite see his plan, but uh, she tells him that uh, doubt can be a good thing because uh, some of the scariest people on this planet are those who don't feel doubt. I felt like this episode was speaking to me a couple times. Pete, how much, what percentage would you say that it was speaking to you? 62%. Well, that means that it was 38% not. And I'm glad that the episode helped me understand the nature of percent. Uh, I would have appreciated perhaps 
a little more dialogue to explain the percent means out of 100. Therefore, when Karnak says that 62% right means 38% wrong with relation to Gorgon, uh, because math, I would have liked that explained just a little bit more because I wasn't hit over the head enough. Pete, we flash back to the exhilarating Gorgon Karnak flashback story. The message here as Karnak plays with himself on a chessboard. <laughs> Pardon me, Pete, I'm being told it should be plays by himself on a chessboard, uh, clearly unable to make any move, or at least as the shot ends. It's a cool moment, revealing, perhaps all too briefly, but revealing that he can't make any moves because he knows all the alternatives to those moves, but he can't have any fun. Yeah, and there was a line in that flashback there. You can thank Terragenesis for this. Gorgon's always the one who's going to make the mess and Karnak's the one who's going to clean it up. So the underlying theme in this episode, particularly ending with Locus dying, is is one of predetermination. Um, and, and that's the way it needs to be. And uh, Jen says, well, you know, doubt's not a bad thing. And, you know, I believe in you. I've got your back. That's good for 14% more. So he's all the way up now, Matt, to a 76% success rate. Meanwhile, Maximus and Oran are on the, the communicator phone. She's told in no uncertain terms that she is to lay off Declan and to keep saying, yes, my king. I want to say something to Oran right now, Pete, if she's listening out there across the void of our universe to her universe and, and, you know, and so forth. Lady, don't let him keep you down. In fact, Pete, I bet some point in the next three episodes she might see the light and turn on him. I think we're already seeing that. But uh, she's not been told that uh, Dr. Declan was in league with Maximus to this point. Um, and he had black bolt and, uh, you know, this, this mission would be over, but she's, uh, told again to finish this mission that he Maximus will send help again soon. Um, and yeah, back to the, my King stuff, we head back to the jungle where we see Sammy for the only time in this episode, he's got vines around his hands there, which he makes sizzle uh mortis and his mortifying voice there reacts really and uh flora does what she does to wrap him up again uh look at sammy there with the hot hands matt i think he's one of them oh yeah back we go to the pot camp karnak thinks about fighting the uh the the forthcoming bad guys using meat hooks or something, then no, then a log, then no, then Petey picks up a bamboo stick, which is about five or six feet long, seems like with his sweet, sweet kind of karate moves that the stick is the way to go, uh, it's at this point that they notice something is different, it's the packages, the, the bales, yes, the bales of the, 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 the wacky leaf, just as a car pulls up, wait Pete, it's not a car, it's a jeep, a jeep of up. goons there to take the hawaii herb and that takes us to the act break act four begins with karnak and jen wondering here as they're hiding out somebody coming to rob us no reno cut a deal on the side um we head back 
as the lockjaw warps, folds, teleports, what have you. Uh, Crystal back to the beach we're told they've been all over the island kind of gives you a jolt in your feelings bruh yeah yeah and pete because she is so desperate to find black bolt now's a great time to just have a sit down look at the water you know she she's uncomfortable with all this water and a little uncomfortable with a little thing that we in these united states call freedom uh, she doesn't, what do you call it, hang out with friends. This is because, continuing the theme of the episode, parts of Adelan equal bad. And you should, get ready, Pete, with the thumb and the pinky finger. Dave says you should just hang loose, because most humans aren't bad, bruh. You should just run out into the ocean. You should just have fun. So what if your government is in turmoil and there's the need to stand up and be counted and be represented and fight to make your home a better place. You could do that or you could just hang loose, Pete. Let's just hang loose. We get verbal confirmation of her powers for the first time. She can control the elements, but she looks at the waves, Matt. The water seems to be coming at them. It's overwhelming. And, uh, you know, we hear Lucas shriek at this point when we're back with uh, the Karnak gen situation uh, and then uh, the uh, guys loading up the truck uh, notice Karnak, he bites them with the pole. It turns into two mini poles, uses them uh, and uh, then winds up uh, just punching a dude like he blocked the bullet before. Um, but there's Jen to save the day. She's got the lantern. She's prepared to burn the bales and, uh, the, the side cut guy that goes unnamed in this episode gets a hold of Karnak as we end that fourth act. Just have to point out that when she follows through on the threat to burn the bud, she throws the lantern behind the pile and then the middle lights up. I see your pyrotechnic effect there. We come back from the break. There's a shrieking in the woods. Don't worry, Pete. It's our inhuman echolocator Locus, who, like, if you prompt her, she, like, can't explain her powers. You you square. I hate you, Mom. Uh, Locus said that she wanted to be a healer. I hate not a you, finder. Earth Mom. <laughs> I hate you, Earth Mom, with your glasses and your decision to go to college and pursue graduate studies and be the top of your field in science and make your own choices locus wanted to be a healer not a finder but she has a finder power so she has to be a finder it's the caste system there's a whole debate here pete about the caste system and once again i'm left feeling confused because doesn't that make maximus the hero above our heroes because although he's trying to tear down the caste system for personal gain He's trying to bring palpable freedom to a whole bunch of thousand people on the moon. Medusa is not cast in a good light in this episode, particularly the way that Louise notes how she treats Locus. Um, you know, we we know a little bit more. It's the first time that we're told in dialogue that uh, 
her parents, Medusa's parents, were banished by the parents of the man she married. Uh, so the irony there certainly doesn't get lost on Louise. But um, Locus points out that Maximus cares. And Medusa clarifies, well, wait, wasn't it Maximus who sent you here and forced you to find us? So hypocrisy, Matt, abounds. I'm just going to throw something out here because it's probably not a full-on theory that we want to discuss. Pete Maximus, the guy who wants power for the wrong reasons but is being elevated because disenfranchised people feel he's going to get the job done despite his shortcomings. It's like, is the show swinging high but not always effective in that? I don't quite know. But Pete, speaking of Maximus, let's go to the moon Tybor brings Maximus a list of the lower cast abilities. There's uh, one guy who has diggy claw hands. uh, And Maximus underlines again that freedom must be earned, not simply given. Which could lead for a really interesting debate. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think that one needs to have a citizenship that's trained in how to properly use freedom. But the show doesn't spend much time lingering on that. Instead, Maximus also recaps some of the bad things that he's done in the earlier episodes. Bronage's father has level eight strength there. So uh, however they plan to use him and the bridge that uh, Maximus has built with the sun and his odd ability that he gained through Terragenesis to touch Maximus and, and see moments in the future that I'm sure Matt is just going to come right back around again um, in, in some way, particularly that we're reintroducing the character's father uh, in the last couple episodes here. Yeah, it is worth keeping in mind that after this episode, there's only three left. Well, they pointed out in the previews that Matt doesn't watch only two episodes left until the astonishing season finale. So we've seen the complete series used in um, the promotion. Um, But now we're hearing season finale, although the ratings fell from a 0.7, which was approximately where shield was in the 10 o'clock hour on Tuesdays last year, uh, to a 0.6 last week. They'll surely be in the same neighborhood with, uh, the baseball, particularly in the, uh, Eastern time zones, I would imagine tonight. Uh, just to stay on this ratings tangent for a moment, I have not looked, but I suspect, well, I would be interested to see what the live plus three ratings are because that has been an argument for more shield that the audience is bigger than what, than what watches the night of. So a developing story there. I, I don't think Pete that we won't, we don't want to sound like we are rooting against the show nor, or, you know, nor should we say, oh, Pete, they've gone from complete series to season finale. That means it's already been renewed for season two. Uh, it, it means that marketing is saying things that they think will get people to watch the show, which is the job of a network and a job of marketing people and so on and so forth. But Pete, let's let's talk here about how Tybor asks if all of these efforts are for the Inhumans or for Maximus himself. That makes Max mad. 
Uh, Tybor is bidden leave, and Max talks to his father's statue, which means it's technically a monologue. Uh, and it hammers home that he, in fact, is working for the greater good of Adelan. I like complex villains. I just don't know whether this guy is a villain or not. I don't know where to to put him. And it's not in some kind of weird postmodern way. It's just, show, you're tugging me towards mustache-twirling villain and Abraham Lincoln. It's amongst what the show does best here. He's lost his brother. He's lost his cousin. We go to the cousin, Gorgon, there. Um, he's trying to figure out how Karnak would handle something and then we go back to Karnak who's being held upside down asked why he is burning the crops of uh, the guy that Reno cut the side deal with and he reveals to him he is Karnak from a city on the moon and an inhuman Matt has he been using the crops well I think that's what those guys think and Despite the fact I said earlier on, you know, you should believe teleporting dogs. I mean, what he's saying is without evidence, you know, I mean, space creatures who have advanced technology or whatever, that has been established to the average citizen in the MCU. Here, okay, you can look at the moon with your eyes. Do you see a city? No. Pete, this is all a ruse because, uh, well, maybe not in the beginning. In the beginning, Karnak is just beaten with a big log. Um, but then he sees Gorgon, who sneaks in, who power stomps him away in those in those fantastic-looking boots. No joke, Pete. There was no, like, boot gift scene, right? No, no. He just, uh, he found some boots. I mean, I know he got some stuff from the Soldiers of Fortune who were helping him. Whatever. Uh, Gorgon is delighted that Karnak has, has been talking about him. Does see Pete to have a rapport that we've been seeing in the flashback? Uh, Karnak thanks him. He's found humility. But Pete, take us back to Declan Labs. It's here that um, Oran is leaving. Mortis and Flora and Sammy are uh, headed there. And she is going to take a new tact here. They're done looking for Black Bolt. And, and we're like, wait a minute. Is she She's flipping sides. But no, they're going to hold the humans as hostage to force Black Bolt to come to them. Uh, let's see. Back to Gorgon, Karnak, and Jen. Karnak is still being nice. Pop, pop. They hear some gunshots uh, in great magnitude. That's a little community call out for some of you. Uh, it turns out, Pete, that it's Black Bolt, Medusa, and Louise, and... Locus. So, Pete, we, we have the uh, the fellowship coming back together of sorts, but they can't hang out for too long because Jen says they need to leave so that she can call the police, and they kind of act like this is something that she has to do, therefore they have to do it. I think it's just an attempt to have the story speed up a bit. I'm going to downgrade from total story baloney to only partial story baloney. The gunshots, the hail of gunshots that we hear, Matt, only to have a character as they come on screen say, no, it's okay. We took care of it. Um, and, and that gets downgraded because of the discovery that Locus has been shot fatally or told by Karnak, uh, whose computer is kind of working. I, I still not clear on the powers and the injury. <laughs> well, Pete, 
there are three episodes left in which you will have an opportunity to learn what Karnak's power is before possibly the show goes away forever. But um, in Locus's final words, Pete, she pleads with everyone, please, you can change, you can do it, to end the act. And we come back, Pete, for the tag scene. Tybor's walking the halls. He is cornered by Black Hoods. Um, they really seem threatening to him and there's just something whether it's shot choice or i don't know what but we don't feel that threat um and uh essentially we are correct they say that they want him to help take down the false king of adelan let's look at a couple royal pains pete where would you like to start amongst this cavalcade of bad guys is it locusts is it Mordis? Is it somebody that ends with an us at the end of their name? I'm going to go R.I.P. Reno, Matt. Yeah, kind of unceremoniously done away with here. And I, I felt like he, though he was a, a minor baddie, I felt like he had some oomph to him that was uh, a, a likable, dislikable charm. Though Maximus is on our list, you are really swinging me, Matt, with the the discussion and i think it's it's something the show has done well the increased discussion about the caste system and how people are treated and the predetermination of their abilities and their role and everything like that if only he wasn't so nasty to tybor yeah i i don't know what i can add other than to just simply summarize they're having an interesting dialogue about, at least I suspect the intention is to have a dialogue about whether somebody can, uh, you know, act on behalf of the people, but act selfishly, but have a positive result, which is interesting. I mean, I, I, as you said, Pete, it's one of the better things that the show is doing. Oran has uh, been incapacitated or died twice, but Matt, kill me twice. Shame on me. Now she's going to adapt her plan to get Black Bolt. We're at an interesting point with that character. Um, she starts to lose, or how about this? I'm not going to be concerned about the next time she's going to be killed because she apparently bounces back every time. So while that's a cool power, there's an odd narrative deflating that's occurring because now you can't do things to her to make her stop, essentially. Thank God we got to see Mortis again and his voice used in a condescending and comedic way. It, it remains rather a, a bit of a slacker voice. And, and maybe they're playing into that. You know, the whole thing when Sammy runs off and it's like, uh, Really? Really? <laughs> Go stop him. <laughs> um, so You're I, the voice, aren't you? <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Oh. God, I gotta wear this bucket head. Um, it, it, either I'm the voice, or it's uh, John Heater as Napoleon Dynamite as Mortis. Gosh, I can't believe you let him get away. Go catch him with vines. You're so stupid, Flora. <laughs> Pete, who else is on your lengthy list? Lastly, Flora here, who doesn't get much to do except to do her vine powers there, um, 
and she's one of the few remaining hench people still standing. Now it's time to give you a couple royal thoughts. Matt, my royalist thought here, and it's a little bit of a uh, Chekhov's rocket, this mission to the moon that Louise's company has coming up. Yeah, I, I find myself a bit confused as to the pacing of this show with three episodes left. I mean, granted, it was only eight total, so that's a smaller bite than we are used to. But with eight episodes left, like, what's the direction here? We're, we're starting to get the Inhumans back together, I guess, in large part. I can only assume we're going to have Crystal and Lockjaw and Dave join them next week at some point. Um, but I don't feel like there's any urgency where we're turning that last corner and heading to the straightaway. Uh, perhaps we shouldn't. I mean, we still are in the middle here, in the middle portion. But now we're going to put in a rocket mission to the moon. All I can figure, Pete, and this is just out loud and off the top of my head, if they are seeding for a rocket to go to the moon, that could also take in humans back to the moon. Why would they need to do that with Lockjaw being present? What if Lockjaw isn't present at the end, Pete? Mm, I really hope that's not going to be the case. I would like to wonder to what degree the show in these remaining episodes because you know fair is fair maybe we're not saying that this is emmy worthy as has been screamed occasionally at uh new york comic-con for for other shows um but my point is this how much time a or do they intend to spend and b can they spend on some of these issues of uh cast or predestination uh, also the nature of government uh, this is all compelling stuff especially if you wrap it up in the lovely you know in, in the lovely presentation of comic book allegory but i don't know how much time you have to do that if there still is the battle for adelan and there still is how they all get home and there still is the goodbye to friends that you've made on earth or maybe surprise surprise you're bringing a human to adelan whatever it is there's a bunch of you know, story goodies left. So I don't know how many veggies we can have along the way. Yeah. It, it does make you believe there are some timing issues as far as that's concerned. Matt, let's check the Royal correspondence. We'll go to Facebook first where Mary Kirk has uh, left a review of the fantastic geek podcast here uh she writes y'all know that i'm a huge fan of fantastic geek right that is how i came to know hashtag spoiler pete uh y'all should listen to their podcast if you like marvel all caps there for real they give honest assessment as people who are fans. So yes, they love Marvel, but if they think there are flaws, they point them out without bashing. Love these guys. Smiley face. Ah, so nice to hear. Pete, now we will read the winning review uh, for the... Uh, Pete, I will admit, we're, we're giving away a number of prizes across the family of podcasts. What prize is this person about to win? This is the New York Comic Con 2017 exclusive Funko Pop 
Marvel, Thor Ragnarok, Casual Hulk. Say that five times fast. Well, luckily you have more than one. Maybe I can maybe I can pry the spare one away from you because it does look pretty sweet. But this first one, Pete, it's going to go to somebody who wrote us a review on iTunes. Let me read the review to you. Here we go, Pete. I love that you boys hang with the MCU through thick and thin. Is Inhumans the greatest television series ever made? Maybe not, but you're getting very entertaining lemonade out of the lemons. Keep doing what you do. I'll be your Rue brother the whole way along. Pete, that <laughs> comes from Dustin. No way. That was awful nice there. And congratulations on your prize. Reach out to us either via DM on Twitter. Oh, Pete, I, I got Dustin's info. Oh, you have I'll, Dustin's yeah. info? Okay. Absolutely. So, I will. Uh, I mean, I don't have the info where to send it, but I, I, Dustin, I'll, I'll reach out to you and we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll get that uh, Thor Ragnarok Hulk, other words, other words, other words uh, to you <laughs> ASAP. Well, Matt. It bears pointing out, in addition to uh, the people who write in reviews and uh, listen, that uh, there's a special cast of people out there. Indeed there is, Pete. That's the people who help us out on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, keeping our, let's see, I don't want to say our Adeline because that's the corrupt cast system, keeping our sandy beach our office this is our office where we get to play and have so much fun keeping it afloat and we could not do it without you so head over to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash fantastic geek everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content and then you can choose the various levels at which you would feel comfortable and get yourself a little extra something back the greatest gift, though, Pete, is the ability to take out your Adelan commu link and be able to be in touch with you. How can people do so, Pete? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,572 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. Leave a comment on FantasticGeek.com. Send an email to FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word. We picked up a slew of likes this week. So welcome. Always looking for more in the Fantastic Geek fam. We will be back this next Monday to talk Star Trek Discovery. And uh, of course, next back next Friday to talk more in humans. With that, Pete, I will say aloha to all our listeners and give you the final word. You're sending me off before dawn's first light. <laughs>